I've always said sometimes shows write themselves. In the same weekend that uh, Jen Psaki said Washington, D.C. is pure and honest. Uh, you know, people always ask me, and I'm sure you guys get asked this, too, about whether Washington is ro rotten, you know, whether everybody is corrupt here and, you know, nothing good happens and we all just argue with each other. And I, having done this job, believe the absolute opposite. Yes, of course she does. Yeah, in the same weekend that that happens, Nancy Pelosi did something worse, far worse than her $25,000 refrigerator with $15,000 worth of ice cream during the lockdown. Chocolate. Really? Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate candy. Oh, wow. And? Oh, my. And a friend of mine is starting a pack to represent us, a power lobby for the people. This guy's gotten presidents elected. He's gotten Republicans elected in every office. He's flipped the count in Congress. Somehow he kept his soul. He's going to talk about what people are like in D.C., how he's going to take on the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. I also think that there, there are plenty of them that are of the Sololins, right? And, and mm -hmm. as I'm sure some of your listeners know, they all know. Um, you know, writes a book about essentially how to deceive people into doing something that you want them to do, but they otherwise wouldn't have done themselves. Gentry Collins joins us exclusively on the Todd Herman show. The Todd Herman show is 100% disapproved by big pharma technocrats and tyrants everywhere. Now from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald city exile. Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Can't believe I've taken this long to do a music review of the song that brought me back into country music when I was a kid. I grew up on John Denver and Don Williams and, I mean, the greats of country music. My dad loved country music. Can't believe I've waited this long, and it fits in with the theme of the show today as well. So yeah, Jen Psaki is, uh, she's made it official. She's gone to work for the Mockingbird Media. What I said there was that she has always been, <laughs> she's always been at work for them. That's, this isn't a new job role. It's just a new job title and she'll make more money publicly. There's always a payoff. You stay in the swamp long enough. There's always a payoff, always. I'm gonna chat with a friend of mine who knows this to be the case. My friend Gentry Collins is taking on the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. He is a, a national political director from background and has gotten presidents uh, elected and won midterm elections. And uh, he's one of the guys who kept his soul in D.C. So we're going to talk with Gentry. I asked him how many people back there are evil and, and what, you know, how many are just, just lost. And uh, they're taking on the chamber head on and creating a lobby for the people, for us. Uh, it's a stout challenge, but he's up to this. It's it's an amazing thing to listen to Saki uh, tell us that D.C. is not corrupt. But you can't smell your own stink. I know that's a gross way to say it, but it's a fact. I mean, I've, I've said it before. I think it's the best way to describe it. Leave your house for a couple weeks. Come back home and you'll walk in and go, wow, we smell like that? Yeah, people have smells. Now you have cats. <laughs> this happened to me. Gone for a week and come home and go, wow, our cats smell like that? 
Yeah, take these things outside. And that's the way it is. Long enough in the swamp, you have no clue about reality. And we're going to talk about this. That, that Look, I don't think the party gives a, a hoot that we know they're corrupt. I think it's a feature, not a bug. I've said this many, many times. It's a show of dominance. It's them showing us, yeah, we'll do whatever we want. And it is to get us down. For me, it's it, it energizes me. Because I thank the Lord for showing us the system. All of it is, is broken. Let us not count on people to deliver us. We will deliver ourselves with the help of the Lord. The Lord can rescue us. That's the topic of our um, speech coming up. My gosh, it's this Friday. I leave Thursday. Wow. Insanity. Came along quickly. Can still get, I don't even know if you can. I better not say that. I think it can still get tickets to ToddHermanShow.com slash events. I think. And later on, we'll talk about how you can win some tickets. Remember this moment with Nancy Pelosi where she was she was on a cooking show. This was during the lockdown, as I recall. Chocolate. Really? Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate candy. Oh, wow. And. Oh, my. Wow. The other people in our family go for some other flavors, but chocolate. And then we have some other chocolate here. Oh my God. It's Fox News people responding. A $25,000 refrigerator that someone calculated was filled with about $15,000 in ice cream. Let us eat cake. This is the reality. We'll talk about in later in the program what she's done to once again show their dominance. Uh, for instance, how about this? How about a Peloton membership? For every member of Congress, uh, their staff and the Capitol Hill cops, free, so-called, costing us the taxpayers money. This is the hipster bike that people ride. And it's on video. And and my friend Julie has one. She's not a hipster. She's a conservative, but she likes to exercise. And they put through this woke messaging. So now you get one. And the membership is on the taxpayer it's not enough that they have their own gym back there. Members have their own gym. Remember that picture of the, uh, of what's his name? The, the pervert who's married to a Hillary staffer taking pictures of himself in the gym. Remember that? So it's a rare person uh, who can work in politics, particularly at a national level and be successful and keep his soul or her soul. One such person is my friend Gentry Collins. I was uh, <clears throat> lucky to work with him at the Republican National Committee. He is one of those people who's kept his soul, even as he uh, competed in the deep, dark world of politics. And Gentry joins me now on the Todd Herman Show. My friend, good to see you. Todd, it's great to see you. It's been far too long. It has. It has. And we're going to talk about this entity that uh, Axios learned about that you, uh, you're at the center of, the... Um, uh, it's the free market. Is that what I said? Free enterprise chamber of commerce. Exactly. American free enterprise chamber of commerce. Yeah. All right. So we'll talk about that, but because it has political overtones and, and you're going to go convince people to stop, you know, convince corporate entities to stop flirting with, with socialism or embracing it. Um, I want to start with a couple level check questions. The same thing I do with politicians. Um, and I just, I think that we have a spiritual battle. So I would invite you to tell me in your estimation, Gentry, who is Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus Christ is the, is the, is the living son of God, uh, who, who came to take away the sins of the world. Todd. And, and, and I think, um, you know, he is the most uh, important influence in my life and in my work. And I, I will say, I, I don't mean that to be pious. I'm a sinful man, as we all are. 
but um, you know, uh, for me and my family's sake, we, we do our best to follow him every day. Yeah, and I understand uh, that your faith, which I, I thank you for expressing. I, I think one of the reasons I do this in the program, Gentry, is I want to normalize again, speaking the name of God, his many names, uh, speaking the name of his son, uh, because I think that we've allowed that to be stolen from us, to be sucked from our lungs. Um, you know, because I lived in a very unchurched city, Seattle, for all those years, it is it is a defensive thing to utter God's name, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. understand that, that your faith w- was was an inspiration for this latest work of yours. It was an inspiration uh, for this latest work. And, and, and you know, I, I will say um, I've always been struck by, by uh, uh, in, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, um, is the scene, Todd, and it's a famous scene, but it's the, is the scene where Jesus himself describes, and, and to my knowledge, I'm not a biblical scholar, so help me if I've got this wrong, but to my knowledge, it's the only scene in the Gospels where Jesus himself describes what the judgment scene will look like, right? This is the famous scene, when you saw me uh, hungry, you gave me something to eat. When you saw me thirsty, you gave me something to drink, and, and, and so on. That, that litany continues. And, you know, what I was struck by, Todd, is that the, the introduction uh, uh, to that passage is something that we gloss over, right? People are familiar with the, the, you gave me something to eat when you saw me hungry and so forth. What we forget is that the introduction to all of that is, you know, on that day, all of the nations will be gathered. All of the nations will be before the almighty. And how will the nations be judged? And then we go through that litany. And, and I, I tell you, you know, the, the, I am convinced and the reason we did this is free enterprise focused, but, but the reason that those are so connected for me is because I, I went through an exercise that, and I think like you, I'm trying to be a re- re- recovering political guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you stop doing campaigns all the time. You have more time to think about that, you know, what, what, what you're doing. But I went through an exercise where I, I looked at this claim that we so often make in politics that American free enterprise has been the greatest force for good uh, in terms of economic systems um, in global history. Uh, I went out and taught for a while and, and um, was challenged by one of my students. Is that really true? Or is it just a throwaway line? And I began looking at it in earnest. This I was teaching in, in 2018. So this, you know, this goes back several years. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, what I, what I found is that it really is true. That if, if you believe that the, the, nation is, the nations are going to be judged in that way, as I do, and then you look at the track record that we have, and, and, and I'll say, Todd, we, we went back about 5,000 years in our study of this. And, uh, and the reason for that is that 5,000 years ago, you find ancient Sumerian cuneiform. And so we can still go back that far and have reliably recorded records for um, in most cultures in most times in most parts of the earth. And what you find when you study these things, Todd, is a, is a consistency that, that I think shocks most people. In, in ancient Sumer, ancient Sumerian cuneiform times, uh, human life expectancy was 30 years old. And that for the average human being walking the face of the earth in those times, the condition of life, the human condition for the typical person was a life of deprivation. All right, at least seasonally. Um, and 
then the subjugation that follows deprivation, right? The strong man comes in and says, you can have this, you can't have that, you're going to do this, you're not going to do that. It doesn't surprise people when they hear that 5,000 years ago, that's what life was like. What does surprise people is that when you look at every major time, every people's, every major economic and political system for 4,900 of the 5,000 years we looked at, the rhythm was exactly the same. All the way until 1900, 1900, nearly within living memory, global human life expectancy was still 30 years old. And in all the time in between, it had never moved more than a rounding error from 30, right? It goes up to 35, it goes down to 28, comes at, right? never more than a rounding error from 30. And though the details varied from, from people to people, uh, the condition of human life, the average condition for the average person was always the same. Deprivation, subjugation, and life expectancy of no more than 30 years old. And then what happens is that we have one single American century at our best, and and to be sure we have our warts and flaws, but at our best defined by the idea that our rights don't come from that strong man. They don't come from the king. They don't come, they come from almighty God. They are endowed in each of us. We're all created equal. We all uh, have an equal opportunity to compete in the marketplace, to innovate, to demand better in our lives. And that, that government only derives its just power from the consent of the government. And I'm not doing it justice, okay, but thumbnail sketch. And what did that yield? That one American century, when those ideas matured and they were really the driver globally, what did they yield? In that one American century, we went from life expectancy that had been stuck at 30 years old for 4,900 years, and we took global human life expectancy, not just our own, global human life expectancy to 73 years uh, by the end of the century. And that within those 73 years, and I want to take you back to Matthew 25 now, Mm -hmm. within those 73 years, what is the condition of life, right? Was it subjugation, deprivation? No, no, no. For the first time in recorded human history, we are feeding more of our poor to death, right? We will lose more of our poor, not not a rich, not a rich, we'll lose more of our poor to diseases of excess this year obesity, heart disease, diabetes, preventable stroke, and so forth, right? And, and I don't mean to make light of those things. I mean, we've got all kinds of progress to go. But, but my, my point to you is that if you believe in the gospel, you believe that the nations will be judged on whether we, when we saw Jesus in the street whether we, and saw him hungry, we, we, we gave him something to eat and we gave him something to drink and we put clothes on his back and we visited him in prison and we, we, we tended to him when he was sick. What nation has ever done it like us? The answer, empirically speaking, is no other. Yeah, no other. And 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 so that's. Uh, I didn't mean to go on too long after that, no, no, but no. that's that's actually, that, that's what drew me to this. I was I was listening very intently to what you're saying, but I was also looking for something uh, because I wanted to play something for you and for the audience because I know you to be a man of of great intelligence. You are the best I've ever seen at taking big, huge problems and breaking them down into block by block bits. I've never seen anyone better at it. 
And I experienced you doing that on a national political basis. And then when I realized that this is part of you is when you decided to drop a bunch of unwanted fat and you sat me down and said, here's my plan. It's going to be 0.75 pounds of fat. And you had it all laid out for a day and you had had it all figured out. So there's a couple things I want to play for you. Actually, three clips, because I think it aligns very well to the battle that we have. Um, The first is our our, guy I regard as, and you don't have to agree with me, but um, I regard this guy as as our figurehead of a president, and he's speaking about um, food shortages. So that's Joe Biden. You'll recognize this guy, um, Bernie Sanders. You know, it's funny. Sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. So I know you know both those guys. You've probably even met them, uh, but you won't know this guy. His name is Dennis Mead. Uh, He is with the World Economic Forum. Uh, He's also a professor at the University of Maryland. He joins colleagues of his who say we simply don't need most people. Now, listen to this, Gentry. This is this is chilling. The planet can support something like a billion people, maybe two billion, depending on how much liberty and how much material consumption you want to have. If you want more liberty and more consumption, you have to have fewer people. And conversely, you can have more people. I mean, we could even have eight or nine billion, probably, if we have a very strong dictatorship, which is smart. So your response? It's evil. Yeah? It's evil. Uh, It's shocking, isn't it? And and I don't what I don't understand is why we haven't done a better job, Todd. And it's one of the things I'm trying to do with the, the, the Amfree Chamber. Why haven't we done a better job of telling the story to next generation American voters and consumers and leaders? So let me let me get to that. I, I, I want to get to that because it's very important. I don't mean to cut you off. I, I want to ask you because you know the deep dark gentry better than anybody knows the deep dark. So here's what I want to ask you. Does DC not see this? Do they not see the World Economic Forum seizing control? Do they not see that these companies want the China model? We just went through a period of time where Americans were forced to inject themselves with experimental gene therapies or lose their jobs. Or Gentry, are they confused? Are they bought off? I want to start with DC uh, because you know the deep dark better than anybody. And you know the people there who've kept their souls. You kept your soul. So did these big companies, these big lobbyists that are playing this game, like we just saw the, what was it? $36 million in secret payments to the national Institute of health scientists from pharma. Um, we just, this is, that's unbelievably nasty. And we see the, you know, uh, the all cause mortality up in, in millennial people up, up to a hundred percent, up to 200%. So honestly, I'm asking you because I trust you and I love you and I know you to be a good man. Um, are these people evil in DC or are they lost or is there a mix? Uh, I, I think there's a mix. I think that we have, we no longer have a, a, a functioning Republic the way that it was envisioned, uh, by our founders. I think that you have an administrative state that is out of control and that frankly, a lot of our elected leaders, uh, uh, don't have the power to, to deal with. 
I think some of them don't have the, um, I think some of them aren't paying attention. I also think that there's, there, there are plenty of them um, that are of the Sololinsky model. Right. And, and mm-hmm. as I'm sure some of your listeners know, they all know. Um, you know, r- r- writes a book about essentially uh, how to deceive people into doing something that you want them to do, but they otherwise wouldn't have done themselves. Right. right? Did you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah. Um, I think that there are a lot of disciples of Saul Alinsky out there who, uh, who, who are trying to run our lives. I think a lot of what happened during COVID was about that. It was about control. It wasn't about health. Uh, and, um, so yeah, I think there's a mix. Can you find good people in Washington? Yeah, you can. Can you find some good people that have been elected? I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yes. I mean, and I know congressional approval is, you know, 10% or less. Okay. Right. Um, uh, and, and, and they've, they've, uh, I'm not sure they've even earned 10%, <laughs> but I, you, you, you can find some good people there. My concern is that, that, that the people we elect aren't running the country anymore. And um, we, we got to claw that back. Okay. So, so you think you can do this um, through the American for Enterprise Chamber of Commerce? I think we can make a contribution. All right. And, and I'll tell you, my, the reason I, I have decided not to do campaigns and to do this instead is because I don't think we're going to fix this in Washington, D.C. Okay. I think D.C. Is, is a snake pit. I think it is full of, of people that are, that are driven by their own uh, interests, uh, whether those are political or economic. I think that um, the administrative state is out of control. So if you elect a handful of good people, which is important, and, and I, we all ought to participate in that. But if you elect a handful of good people, I don't think that as the system is operating today, that a, a handful of members of Congress are going to have the power to go and, and do what needs to be done. I think that the American people, when they are collected and, and given an outlet, uh, I think the American people can do this. And, and so our, our model is not to take the big dollars. Our model is to say, we want this available. We think that American free enterprise has led to more progress and prosperity. It's the antithesis of the food lines, right? Than any other system in human history. And we want to make sure, and we're losing. We are losing. We're losing a generational battle. We are, you know, DC is already sold out in many respects. And I mean that literally yep. uh, when it comes to these issues. Uh, and, and so how do you approach that? Am, am I going to rely on DC to fix it? No. I think if you can assemble uh, small and mid-sized businesses, entrepreneurs, creators, you know, guys that hope to be, you know, that, that have an Etsy site and a side hustle in the basement on the weekends. Yeah. I, wanna, I want an organization that is accessible to them. You know, this isn't a thousand bucks a year to join a chamber. It's 99 bucks a year. Uh, and we have put right on our website a 10-point free enterprise bill of rights. You know, you can support them, not support them. But our commitment is we aren't, we aren't selling issue positions to the big donors. We're saying we want to collect a broad base of membership in this country at a very low price, right? Low enough that anybody can join or say that a different way. Low enough that I can disregard somebody who's trying to say, I want you to break the rules. I want you to break your word. I want you to support something that it doesn't comport with the principles of, of, of American free enterprise. Right. I, I, we don't have million dollar donors that we're going to have to worry about and kowtow to. That's the model we're trying to build. Will it work? Time will tell. Um, but I, I, you know, the, the, the concept here is, as, as, as far as I can see, is that the American people, if they reclaim some of that power and, and we put our voices together, uh, you know, I think we might have a fighting chance. 
if we rely on Washington, we're done. Well, and what I know about you experientially and, and, and the team you put together is when you are given a budget and you are given the job of identifying uh, people and then persuading them, you are one of the very best in this business. Um, and so uh, if anyone could do that, it would be you that could do that. Uh, and I, I have a, 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 I think maybe even a deeper question than the tough one I just asked you, Gentry, honestly. Uh, so let me get to that in a second. Gentry Collins is with me. We'll make sure that you have, there's a link uh, to the American for Enterprise Chamber of Commerce in the show notes. Make sure you have Substack. You can just click over. We'll make sure Gentry gives the uh, website address and that you can investigate on your own. Love the model that's, there's no donor big enough to uh, have the, uh, the tail wag the cat. Speaking of all of this, this is another reason that I have such great admiration for the people at Bulwark Capital Management. Um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is that this podcast would not have grown as quickly without Zach Abraham and Bulwark Capital Management. And one day we'll tell the full story, but I will tell you, I wouldn't have been able to afford to do what I do uh, without the early on support of my friend. He's also a fantastic money manager. And, you know, we have a range of partners now, and you'll notice that a lot of them are related to finance. And, you know, mortgages. And, and you'll notice that about the, this audience that we've built. And we're so thankful for you. See, Zach operates on the very same sort of notion that Gentry is describing here. Yep, he wants money to invest. He is a steward of people's money. He focuses on risk management. Um, but he is not going to go play with the big banksters. Not a chance. And they're not going to play with him. He's the guy who comes on our program and he calls them out by name, by program. Here's the people who are buying and selling America. Here's the people who are short selling this country. And now there's no big payoff for him on that. That means that the big firms aren't going to come and love up to him, but he wants it that way because he and his wife run the firm and they've run it very, very successfully for a very long time. And they're the other ones who come out and tell you, look, the, the old 60, 40 stock bond mix, she done. Well, they're printing money in 0% interest rates. The inflationary environment is going to get worse. You cannot rely on that old model. It's not going to sustain you, particularly in your retirement. So whether or not you have a financial manager, call and get to know these guys and see if they can help you. They're at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Or go to knowyourriskradio.com. And I do have to say this because the government makes us say this investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management's an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. So Gentry Collins is with us. Um, American Free Enterprise Chamber of Commerce. Very, very good friends and a guy who kept me sane in D.C. Um... So here's the question. hard job. Yeah, yeah. To keep me sane, uh, ask around. In DC, I met. In DC, I met. Yeah, stand in line, buddy. Uh, so with this model of gathering the small donors and going and persuading, uh, I guess this is the challenge to me. Is is it too late? Because I am looking at, um, I am looking at a speech czar. Uh, I am looking at the government pushing down censorship to ready and willing and happy to serve social media companies. Uh, I am looking at a financial system where our treasury conjured uh, $36 billion. BlackRock said, conjure this money and then give it to us our, in our various entities as a bailout, all of which is illegal, uh, blatantly illegal. No one's going to go to prison. 
Um, and I, I mentioned earlier, I'm astonished that <laughs> that there can be these secret payoffs to the scientists at the, the National Institute of Health. I've been predicting that for two years that we're, we're going to find this. No one is run out of town. The big concern and what they're trying to have turn the world upside down is um, that you might not be able to kill a baby at nine, nine months in one day. And Janet Yellen turns around and says, this is an economic issue. We need to kill more babies to save our economy while we're bringing families across our open border. So I guess my question is, Gentry, I believe God, I know God can rescue America. I'm giving a speech this week on Friday. Will he rescue America? Uh, that's the speech. I'm asking you, is it too late? You know, this calls to mind for me, uh, uh, the great uh, uh, de Tocqueville quote, right? Uh, America is great because America is good. And when America ceases to be good, it will cease to be great. Mm. And um, uh, I, I, I worry that we're living in those times that we are that we are watching uh, that ceasing. I I don't I think it's worth a fight. I think it's worth a fight. I think we're it's very much in question. But I think the country has been through these these uh, fits before. You know the details have varied, and so you'll catch me on that for sure. But I, you know if if you go back and w- look at what was happening, you know between the world wars and in the twenties and thirties, and, and and some of the the, the uh, the, the, the domestic arguments that were going on in the thirties, for example, or if you go back and, and look at the sixties, um, and, and then maybe even into the, into the seventies and the Vietnam era, um, you know, our institutions have been corrupted before our culture has been corrupted before. Um, and our young people have been corrupted before. Um, I, I, with the grace of God, we've recovered those. How many times will he help us out? I don't know. But um, I, I guess what I do know is that if I don't try to do my part, if you don't try to do your part, and I know you do every day, but if we don't try to do our part, you know, then, then we're going to be part of the problem in that. And, and uh, you know, I don't want to be accountable for that. I, I, that's probably not a good answer, Todd. I, I, I don't um, I don't think I don't there's a good answer, Gentry, because this is in God's hands. I mean, uh, you're exactly right. I wonder the same thing. I mean, um, I, I wonder at what point God looks at a nation. And I did a show last week, um, this pass-fail test God gives us. Here's this pass-fail test. Hey, are you going to stand on the side of the people in schools who are teaching, um, you know, kindergartners that it's fun to masturbate? And that's pass-fail. Uh, are you going to stand on the side of, of school unions who are um, secretly telling confused um, autistic kids that they're probably born in the wrong body? Yes or no. Are you going to stand on the side of the, of the people teaching racism in our schools? Or I mean, and, and he just makes this pass fail so, so easy. And there's people failing that. But here's the great news. And this is where I don't think it's too late. Is I think Gentry, you and I, my brother, I believe we live in the greatest possible time to be Jesus needers, to be disciple makers. Because after all, that's the great commission. Gentry, God has ripped the curtain he has torn the curtain from the terrible temple and he's saying, here's your human leadership. Here's what this has wrought. Even abortion supporters are looking and saying, what? Let a baby die? A born baby? Let it starve for 28 days as is being considered in Maryland? What? And I, I look at this from Jeremiah 12, verse five through six. If you've raced with men on foot and they've worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how you manage in the thickets by the Jordan, your relatives, members of your own family, even they betrayed you and they've raised a loud cry against you. Do not trust them, though they speak well of you. The Lord is saying, if you can't make it through this time, 
right? Some masks, some lockdowns. Hey, what are you going to do in the time of tribulation? Although I'm pre-trib, that's I choose to believe in pre-trib. So Gentry, we live in the greatest possible time for this. So I'd ask you, in addition to the free enterprise of what you're focused on, um, is the Lord's message going to be involved in what you do? I think it's built right in. I, now, I, I will say that if you go visit our website, you're yeah. not going to see, uh, you know, it's not, it's not built to be an evangelical platform sure. in, in, in that sense. Um, but, you know, as I, as I shared, you know, what brought me to this was uh, my understanding of the demands of, of followership of Jesus Christ yeah. in the first place. Yeah. As, as represented on, in, in, in that great judgment scene, yeah. right? How did you live your life? And, and, and uh, so, you know, on the one hand, you know, we're, we're not an evangelical organization sure. on the face of it. Uh, on the other hand, that's not something we hide under a bushel basket either. Yeah. And look, there's so many ways to have a mission. And if your heart is to, to go make sure that this economic system, as you so eloquently and expertly explained, has lifted so many from poverty, and continues to, um, and, and, and you do that and you lift that and you feed those who are hungry and you visit those who are in prison and, and you do that, you accomplish that and you serve Christ Jesus. Well, th then that's, yeah. that's the mission. And then I know you to be a man of God at work who, who doesn't go around hiding your faith. It's hard to hide a faith with as many kids as you've been blessed with. <laughs> right. Um, so if anyone can that's do true. this, then, you know, Gentry, you can do this. So specifically what's, do you want um, from this audience with which the, the Lord has blessed me? You know, I'd like him to take a look at what we're doing. Okay. I'd like him to visit us. We're at amfreechamber.com. And uh, amfreechamber.com is where you can find the uh, Free Enterprise Bill of Rights. And, um, you know, I want this to be a grassroots movement. I, you know, I want to hear from people about what it is that they need that people on the ground, Washington is the dumbest smart town in America. Okay. It's full of people that have nice degrees and you know, the, the drill as well as I, but uh, boy, they don't understand the country. They don't understand what has driven the upward surge of the human experience because of the American ideal. And, and I think that your listeners do. I think that, that folks outside my window and, in, in, you know, in suburban Iowa do, I think that people in the middle of the country really do understand what it takes and uh, so, so we need that help. Um, I, I also think that, um, you know, I want them to know that we intend to be a resource for people who have been canceled or deplatformed or whatever you want to call it. And we are seeing legally operating businesses in the United States of America who, you know, are, are deplatformed for merchant payment processing, for example, yep. meaning you can't run a credit card, right? Yep. Uh, why? Because, you know, uh, uh, big companies don't like your politics. Right, because you're you're in the legal gun sales business, or the legal ammunition business, or the any other number of of, uh, of others that are being hit with that, and there are more coming. You know, I'm sitting right outside of Des Moines, Iowa, here as we speak, and uh, one of the insurance capitals of the world. And um, you know, we've had some conversations with insurance leaders here who are saying, you know, the 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 left end of the of the climate movement is pressuring us not to renew liability insurance for companies that don't have a net zero by, by 2050 policy in place. Right? Yep. So, so that's coming. And I don't think that's really a reality yet in terms of it's hit people, but that's what they're pushing for. That's what's next. 
You know, the Black Lives Matter people have been out to say, if we don't approve of the DEI policy, maybe you ought not uh, uh, renew uh, DNO insurance. And, and those kinds yeah. of episodes we're, we're hearing about all the time. We, we want to be a place where we aggregate folks who, uh, who number one, who have those problems. You know, where do you go for help? We want to we be that place. And I won't tell your listeners we've got it all figured out. But I will tell them that we'll work like hell to figure it out together, number one. Number two, if, the, if you've got listeners that have products that are built or services that are built or just the stomach and the appetite stand up to that and to say, here's how we keep the economy open for people that have been deplatformed or canceled. Uh, you know, those are the partners I'm looking for. You know, I, I want to be, be a hub for that. I want to aggregate those services so, that, um, so that, that, that the middle of the country can, can stay in this economy. Yep. Uh, and I think that's so well said. And, and, and I'll, I'll just close it this way, uh, Gentry Collins. Uh, one thing I know about DC is they, they underestimate the countries you just said. There's a great book called What DC Gets Wrong, where they polled the breast and the brightest back there, all the, all the Harvard minds, and they have no idea who we are. They think we're bumpkins who don't own homes. They think that we make far less money than we do. They will find out who we are if their ESG score stuff works. And they start telling people they can no longer have home insurance and they can no longer have insurance for their cars. They're going to find out dang certain who we are. And I hate this possibility, but history is history. You start stealing people's ability to live in their own homes, to have their own businesses. There's a reason there's how many guns in America? 300 million? More than citizens, yeah. Right. I mean, so what is it? 500 million. And I live in North Idaho and not, North Idaho is a red state for now. It's not completely safe, but brother, don't, don't, don't misunderestimate or what would president Bush call it? Uh, a misunderestimation. Did I just say that? Was that it? Don't underestimate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you knew him. I don't, um, they're going to find out. So blessed be the peacekeepers. And, and I want to be that peacekeeper because I can see the alternative over the horizon. And I truly don't think that the power brokers in DC have any idea the pent up rage they have caused by firing people, trying to, to take their kids' minds and bodies. And what you're describing, that economic blackmail, that's the powder keg gentry. So I'm proud of you for helping us to avoid that. And uh, the link to your organizations in our show notes. And I just, I want to ask you to go with God's good grace. Um, Lord, continue to bless you and your beautiful family. And uh, thank you for uh, taking your skills and putting them in this direction, my brother. Amen. Todd, thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. So good to have friends to the exception of the rule. Coming up, I'm going to share with you proof that Pelosi hates us. Well, like you need that, but also proof that they either cannot see how obscene they are or it's feature, not a bug. I think it's a feature, not a bug. They want us to show us the dominance. You won't believe what Pelosi's doing. You've heard my wife say it herself that soda weight loss is the easiest possible way uh, to drop unwanted fat from the body. And this weekend, I had a, I had a family member ask me, about dropping unwanted weight. And the reason I tell you this is it's kind of funny. She is a progressive person. She is a very, very good person. She's not insane. She doesn't go around hating conservatives. Therefore, she'll be seen publicly with me. 
Uh, and of course, I told her about soda weight loss. And she's, she's beloved to me. And I'm not going to get paid for that. It's not on the podcast. I'm, I'm telling you. Right? But I would tell you face to face. If someone asked me, I do this all the time because people ask me about our partners, particularly when it's high involvement stuff. Like you really trust these guys. Absolutely. The story of how my wife came to say this is the easiest way she's ever dropped unwanted fat from her body. Th this is a story in of itself. She overheard me in a business conversation. Because this was a huge moment for this podcast because soda is so well-established, so successful. It's nearly 7,000, I think, now. No, it's, not, it's nearly, yeah, this, like, yeah, I think it is. Nearly 7,000 Google reviews. An average 4.8 stars. That they reached out to us to reach out to you is a big moment because it's a big established company that grew with gangbusters coming to us. So my wife heard me talking about asking questions about the protocol. She knows somehow she still loved me when I was 150 pounds heavier. And um, she knows that I've lost that and I've kept that off. So I would say she came to me kind of sheepishly. Could I use that program? I said, honey, if you feel like you want to drop fat, yeah, you can, of course. And I'll tell you this, we pay for the program, right? We don't, there's not a free rider here. You know, we invested in it. So when I tell you that you can invest in this and that if you need to lose unwanted fat from your body, I am telling you, if you haven't done it on your own this far, you're not gonna. I love you, but you're not gonna. So with the program here, you get the protocol, you get the foods, you get the fact that you can do this from anywhere. You get support. My wife got bored because my wife, she doesn't like to cook. So she ends up eating the same foods all the time. She called her nutritionist and said, hey, how can I change this up? Not only did her nutritionist tell her, but she also turned her on to a spice mix my wife can use. It actually accelerates fat loss. This is all same thing I would tell you face to face. It's sodaweightloss.com. That's sodaweightloss.com. This, this is obscenity on top of obscenities. You know that the, the, the supply chain limits squeeze that we saw coming when they installed the Great Reset Lockdown. We talked about it on the radio. Does anyone not think that this is going to lead to problems? Does anyone not think that the supply chain issue is going to be pronounced? When there are all the ships waiting off outside the ports and DeSantis stepped up to say, hey, you can come here and unload. We said at the time, does anyone think this is not going to go or that anyone think this is going to go away? We said that at the time. And once again, about the billionth time I was called a conspiracy theorist. And, and that's the new racism. And I've now grown comfortable with it. In fact, tomorrow I'm going to do a show apologizing for all my conspiracy theories, tongue in cheek. It's, it's, I had fun putting this one together. I'm still, I'm still doing the show research. So we have the baby formula thing. There's baby formula at the border, but there's not baby formula for people who need it here. Foreseeable. We, we're going to have massive supply chain issues. People are having trouble buying food with the inflation. So what's Pelosi doing in addition? We talked earlier about the Peloton bikes. She has set up a liquor store in the House of Representatives where you can go buy your booze. House drinks. Six packs and more. 
And, and there's so much irony in this in this sign. Do you know what one of the top indicators of people who are going to get sick from the COVID flu is? Well, obesity is is age, obesity, and then use of, of alcohol. But get the sign. It says, please be prepared to show ID for alcoholic beverages. But ID is racism. So black members of Congress and black staff members, they don't have ID. Black people can't get ID. Black people can't figure out how to go get ID. That's what the Democrats tell us all the time. It's in, black people are too dumb to go get ID. Or they don't have the money. Despite making 200 grand a year, and that's on the official basis in D.C. <laughs> and <laughs> this, <clears throat> th- 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 that's not the end of the story. They can buy this with your money. <laughs> they get to buy it with taxpayer-funded MRAs. How much trouble are you having with with rationalizing $100 per tank of gas? And this is what these people erect. And you can add to this, by the way, the fresh flowers delivered to their offices, uh, the dairy products delivered to their offices, uh, the, the free Peloton membership, the free gym membership, uh, the members only train. There, there is a members only train that is beneath, um, that is under the ground in the Capitol. I got to walk up to it one day. You never get to ride in it, but I got to see it. Is it any wonder that Jen Psaki can say that she believes Washington, D.C. is the not is not the least bit corrupt. Uh, you know, people always ask me, and I'm sure you guys get asked this, too, about whether Washington is rotten, you know, whether everybody is corrupt here and, you know, nothing good happens and we all just argue with each other. And I, having done this job, believe the absolute opposite is true because I have worked with and engaged <laughs> with all of these incredible people across the administration and this amazing team, many of whom are here that I get to work with every day. Um, you don't even have the same retirement plans that we do you you don't have any any idea what it is out here and you hate us and it's a feature not a bug i'm just convinced of it that when people move back there, they lose the ability to have any sense of right and wrong. That's why it's so unique to have a guy like Gentry Collins, who has kept that sense. But incidentally, and I didn't point this out, he moved. He took his family after the midterms uh, when I was, when I was back there, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. He moved. He relocated his large family to Iowa. Why? Because he also observed what I did. Which is that people lose their souls in that city. And Pelosi, with this move, this is ice cream plus booze. 
we're building up to a very, very big weekend. Um, well, Friday. Coming up this Friday, I'm going to look you face to face. I cannot wait for that. I'm going to shake your hands. I cannot wait for that. It's a gift to me. I come away from these things so completely energized. The Lord delivered to me the way the speech should end. I did check. There are a couple of tickets left, but this thing is going to sell out. It's the ToddHermanShow.com slash events. The ToddHermanShow.com slash events is this Friday in Bothell, Washington, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. And I went ahead and did it. I ordered 100 shirts. So the only play, and I purposely did a limit. Um, the people who come to the event, there's going to be 100 Todd Herman Show t-shirts to begin. And the only place you can get them there is there. And by the way, my team bugged me so hard to make, to, to change the design. They really wanted the name of the show up, up, up high and big and tall. Wait till you see it. I, I, I am very thankful that the Lord checked me on this. I'm very thankful for that. I said at the top of the show, I'm such a radio guy. I said at the beginning of the podcast that I, I cannot believe I had waited this long um, to, to do a song review of this. I grew up listening to Hank Williams, um, Don Williams, um, George Strait, Dolly Parton. My dad loved Elvis Presley and he loved country music. So our drives together were filled with Paul Harvey. You've heard me talk about the great Paul Harvey. I can remember though, drive after drive where it was in the great big travel, going hunting uh, or going around his property or it was in his silly Rambler. God knows why my dad loved those cars. God knows why. It's such an embarrassment. <laughs> it really was. This blue, this, this huge man in this blue little Rambler, but he just loved those cars, loved those AMCs. Uh, so it was always country music. And when I was a kid, of course, it became uncool to listen to country music. And, uh, and we started with Kiss and then Deep Purple and uh, Van Halen and Led Zeppelin. And you know the drill. And, and then Sticks came along and they were sort of the uh, prog rock thing. And my dad could never dig it. He tried, but he could never dig it. And so this connection that my dad and I had was sort of strange. Not, not, not in a serious way. But I was thrilled when I had the excuse to begin listening to country music again because a guy named Hank Williams Jr. became popular. And this song was, I guess, rocking enough or something or attitudinally right. I don't know. It's just, I felt like I could listen to this and then share it with friends and they dug it. And you probably know the song I'm going to review. And it's so meaningful for today because I aspire to be the guy he describes in this song. I'm not. I've got some of the skills, but not all the skills. Maybe you have all the skills. But it speaks to this divide across this nation from D.C. out. It speaks to my reality in D.C. when there was a bad storm and people on my staff in their mid twenties panicked almost in tears because they had no food at their house. They had to go home because whole foods was going to close. And I told them, absolutely not. Your conservatives. Are you telling me you don't have even a day of food stored? No, you know, we don't, we got to go home. No, 
Live with the consequences of your actions. Live with the consequences of your decision to not be at least self-sufficient for a day. I remember them saying, what do you have food in your apartment? I said, yeah, six months worth. You? You have six months worth of food? Where do you store it? Guys, you have no idea how to take care of yourselves. In the song, you already know it. It's one of Hank Williams Jr.'s best. It's direct, it's straightforward, it has a rock attitude to it. It's a country boy can survive. The preacher man says it's the end of time And the Mississippi River, she's a gold drive is up and the stock market's down and you're only getting mugged if you go downtown i live back in the woods you see a woman and the kids and the dogs and me i got a shotgun a rifle and a four-wheel drive and a country boy can survive shoulder went bad and screwed up my rotator cuff and my my neighbor Mike noticed. He popped over and said, if you need help in anything in the yard, let me know. Anything on the property? You need help with snow, tree removal? Let me know. When we had a um, we had a coyote scare. Well, it wasn't a scare. It was well, that scared my family. Scared me. I didn't want my daughter to lose her one of her beloved cats. Coyote celebrating a kill 15, 15 yards from our property line. There's about five of them hunting in a pack. And when my daughter was, you know, bereft and freaking out, thinking they were eating her cat, and I went out with my gun and my lights. To investigate this, right? I knew if I needed it, I could pop over next door and, and ask Mike to come out. Mike's a thousand times the shooter I am. His methodology is bow. And that's the one side of this that I know I live in an area where we would come together. I know I'm not the only one up here with food storage. But this is the other side of it. We say grace, we say ma'am, if you ain't into that, we don't give a dang. 
Sorry, Hank Jr. Uh, there's a young man who's doing some work with me finally to finish this video studio that I put off. And the other day, he popped by to pick up this equipment and, and go calibrate it and get it ready to install in our house. And he asked me about my shoulder. He saw that I wasn't wearing the brace anymore. And I told him, yeah, it's healing. And, and he's asking about the range of motion. He is, he is less than half my age. And this young man said to me um, on the edge of our property, hey, can I pray for you? Now, I don't know where you live, but if you live in the separate countries of Seattle or Portland, that's rare. I think it's rare in New York. It never happened to me in D.C. I never had anyone offer a prayer in D.C. Once, not once. First time that I said at a dinner with people, hey, can we say grace? It was for a second they had to sit there and remember what grace was. And so this young man put his hand on my shoulder. And this, this young man, less than half my age, prayed for my shoulder. Prayed that the ultimate physician would heal, continue to heal because God is healing. The biggest disconnect between us in the center of the center of the universe, the ultimate Babylon, which is Washington, D.C., is just that. The separation from God. You cannot be a boss of a country where there's a just simply unforeseeable problem with baby formula and other supplies. It's just no one can see it. And be installing liquor stores on the taxpayer dime and not believe you are, in fact, a God. This is the Todd Herman Show. We so appreciate your support. You can share the show. Just hit the share button on your podcast app. Send it to friends. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And what would happen if wherever you go for dinner with friends, you simply offer to say grace, to honor God? Try it. Please let me know how that goes.